Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. And I'm sitting with Andrea Tether, who is in fact the CEO of the Jane Goodall Institute of Canada. We're helping to support and nurture the next Janes, that being the people that will make positive change, be inspirational, and be leaders in communities across this country. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? It's great when you can be creative with what you've been handed, whatever assignment you've been handed. But I will tell you that I've become a lot more creative since I left the corporate world. It's as challenging as a corporate world, but you definitely do have to be creative and you have to learn how to be as effective as you were in corporate world, but with a lot less resources in a lot of cases. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. This is Fred Keating, and welcome to Monetizing Your Creativity. This series of interviews uh, discusses how people can, in fact, pursue their passion in the creative arts and still make a decent living while doing so. I'm afraid it's just me today. Uh, Marvin is off gallivanting and collecting other interviews on the other side of the Rockies, and I am sitting in the iconic Sylvia Hotel right on the shore of English Bay in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. And I'm sitting with Andrea Tether, who is in fact the CEO of the Jane Goodall Institute of Canada. Andrea, tell me a little bit about the Institute and what it does, and then I want to ask a little bit about you and what you do for it and what you've done. Well, the Institute follows in the footsteps of the famous primatologist, Dr. Jane Goodall. So we have what I would categorize as foundational programs in Africa that are definitely related and linked to chimpanzees and conservation of their natural habitat. In Canada, we work with young people and we like to kind of phrase that as we're, we're helping to support and nurture the next Janes, that being the people that will make positive change, be inspirational, and be leaders in communities across this country. The Jane Goodall Institute is in many countries around the world, yes? Yes, I think there's about 40 now. In some places you would not expect, Tibet, Shanghai, the Middle East, South America. Uh, it's kind of growing leaps and bounds. It, it seems to happen that there's offices spring up wherever Jane happens to go. It just uh, demonstrates the influence and the uh, power of, of Jane. So the JGI, the Jane Goodall Institute, it's it has a global outreach. Yeah, it has a global outreach. Um, we're all kind of independent in the way we work. We're not mandated to work together. That's for a number of reasons, because there are significant cultural differences where we all operate. So uh, we sometimes do things differently, but the overriding mandate is to make a difference for people, animals, and the environment. And uh, that's our mantra wherever the office happens to be. So as CEO of an organization like this, you didn't just walk out of uh, high school and uh, become a CEO. Can you tell us a little bit about your path from where you were, where you feel you might have begun to be attracted to this kind of work? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think I was one of the generation who was able to 
get out of school and get a job that lasted a lot of years. Um, so I started in the financial services industry and was lucky enough to have a job uh, for 17 years in a corporate environment, which uh, taught me a lot of skills in terms of, uh, you know, business. And I'm a big believer that whether you're in business or not-for-profit, it's a business and, and that things have to be done in similar ways to be successful. But I was also very lucky that in the last years of my corporate career, I started to shift into the philanthropic areas of, of the corporation I was with and then really decided after 17 years with the same company that it was time to explore other options. I really liked the community focused work I was doing for them and made a career shift into not-for-profit full-time and it uh, wasn't an, as easy a transition as some business people think it might be but uh, I think sometimes we get carried away with our titles and our positions in corporate and think we can do it all and it's been a real learning exercise but now I've been uh, in it for about close to 15 years and um, it's as challenging as a corporate world but you definitely do have to be creative and you have to learn how to be as effective as you were in corporate world but with a lot less resources in a lot of cases. Really even in what we might consider the rather uh, hierarchical and and straight-laced world of business there's not only room for but perhaps a real need for a creative approach to getting through the day. I think there is. I mean, especially when you're working in an environment where there are rigorous systems and processes in place for your own personal satisfaction working in those environments. You, it, It's great when you can be creative with what you've been handed, whatever assignment you've been handed. But I will tell you that I've become a lot more creative since I left the corporate world. And, you know, you can reap a lot of benefits, both financial and other ways in the not-for-profit organization. I, I didn't really think that I was going to learn as much as I have learned since and I've been able to bring out the creative side so how do you work with less resources how do you work with less people Um, how do you craft messages that resonate with people how do you tell stories that resonate with people that takes a lot of creativity and it's a lot less prescriptive than it was in in corporate land I I have to admit. Now you're currently on a a cross-Canada tour with Dr. Jane Goodall Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, was there such a thing or is there such a thing as a typical day for uh, for you as CEO of the JGI of Canada? Well, you've kind of seen me running around today. You've been in the position of seeing us in action when we're on a Dr. Goodall tour. And uh, again, you know, I'm going to bring up your word of creativity and say we have to be creative. We have to be able to turn on a dime. We have to come up with ideas on how to deal with things, you know, as well as juggling the, the everyday work. I will tell you that this job is like no other I've had, and that is because we have a business, what I call a business to run, but we also have an iconic brand in in Jane Goodall, and so we get contacted a lot from donors, from people who want to volunteer, from people who want interviews, people who uh, really want to help and support us, and so there is not a typical day, and uh, you know, there's always the work to be done as well. We have a very significant project going on in Africa that takes a lot of time and effort and uh, we have a very small team of people who I would suggest they're all incredibly creative because they have to be to get 
the work done. No two days since I joined this organization three years ago has been the same for me. No way. And in, in, you know, in your corporate role, I would say to a great degree when you're given a job and a responsibility and you have the resources, it, it, it seemed, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but it seemed sometimes are often more calm than my life right now. <laughs> Having said that, though, I think the opportunities, you know, I'm on tour with Dr. Goodall. Um, I see the effect that she has on people. I hear the messages that resonate with people. I hear people say every day that they're inspired. I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to the uh, Jane Goodall Institute of Canada website or in whatever country you happen to be in, if there is a JGI chapter there, to, to check it out. I, I was reading some of the bios when I was researching you, by the mm. way. And uh, the Roots and Shoots gal, Jen Duffy, mm-hmm. in her bio, it says she went to Africa and, and she walked lions. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so uh, as, as one that has trouble pulling that image together for a young woman, although I guess one could say that's uh, pretty much what Dr. Goodall did. She uh, walked with chimpanzees. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I will tell you that it's another aspect of a job like this where you are able to go and see the work on the ground and you come back and your creativity is is just tenfold what it was before you were there. You're able to see and understand and translate that into really compelling stories and work and and uh, you know the opportunities in a role like this have been amazing for people like Jen myself so different than working in a corporate nothing you know that we've got to have that obviously those corporations are driving a lot of our pension funds but you know I run into people that I used to work with in 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 the corporate world and uh, when they ask me what I've been doing and I've had three trips to Africa and I'm traveling with Dr. Goodall when she's in Canada and you know you can tell that they're they're just amazed and I have to say it was the best decision I I made you know I mean regardless of the financial implications it might have had at this point in my life it it affords me the opportunity to continue to grow and actually to experience life that I would not have had a chance with not being in this job ever since we and it's not been that long started this podcast series we've we've spoken with people and it's amazing how the the, uh, the creative mind can apply itself to all sorts of relatively tense situations in some ways employing rather an artistic side and and other times just plain old science and and business as well i'm thinking of places like the uh, the getty center in los angeles mm-hmm. and and uh, chock full of people who are in the arts field but with science, doing forensic work and restoration work mm. and fantastic research. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, it strikes me that you and the team that you've pulled together must need to have a, a fairly interesting set of traits for it not to really overwhelm you. Can you describe some of the character traits that you think have either done you very well along your career lines, as multifaceted as it's been, and some of your character traits that uh, uh, perhaps have caused you more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> yeah, I, I worry that the ledger on one side of that question is heavier than the other, and you can imagine what I'm thinking. But, you know, I think in this job especially, you you need to be able to relate to people. We're working with people from communities that are challenged. We're working with international communities. We're working with young people. So, so 
uh, when you are open to listening and making them all equal partners, you know, the level of respect that everybody that I work with for people, cultures, uh, that's a really big one. I think you also need to be an extremely good communicator to, again, to be able to run that gamut of whether it's talking to a volunteer, talking to a person in Africa that's working on one of our projects or a recipient of, of the money in Africa. And right up to a CEO, uh, I mean, clearly I have to be able to, I think anybody in my role needs to be able to relate to others really well. I also think there's people who can read people, you know, whether we call it emotional intelligence, to be able to d discern what's going to really impact somebody's lives. How are they going to relate to you? How can you get them to give you a story? How can you get them to give you money? I mean, unless you're a what all the old adage a people person in this role i think you're kind of done <laughs> you're also dealing of course with you know boards of directors and a, a wide range of staff and if you've looked at the biographies of our staff unlike businesses where some you know people come with business degrees and you know uh, finance degrees economics if you look at the bios of the people that are working with me they come from so many different fields and so you also have to be really curious and and find out about those fields and you also have to be trusting you have to trust that they know what they're doing because there's no way you could know all of the aspects of this work and and give over to people and trust them to take it and do it and be accountable for it because you can't know it all in the in these roles for sure certainly one of the recurring themes in in this series has to do with it being it meaning whatever you're currently involved in mm -hmm. a team sport Absolutely. nobody could dr goodall could not get her message out as mm -hmm. consistently or often as she does without this global team behind yeah, her making that happen. Yeah, and I don't think it matters how skilled you are or how much book knowledge you have unless you realize that you're the importance of your team and you're gracious enough to include them in everything you do. And she's a prime example. Everywhere we go, if she is speaking, before every lecture, she will ask me who she needs to thank. And the, her team, myself included, the Canadian staff, wherever she happens to be, the JGI members, she names them all by name. She's really incredible at recognizing the people that support her. And I think as a leader, if you don't do that, you do it at your own peril. You mentioned all the various types of individuals that you deal with and your team deals with on a daily basis. And again, harking back to your business history, I'm, I'm thinking of customer service and mm -hmm. and you sounded like you were describing to me the various customers you need to serve and they mm -hmm. range from your own teammates to potential donors to boards of directors plus the various political or community organizations yeah. and individuals you run into how many hats do you wear or mm -hmm. or do you do you use one single tether patented approach to all <laughs> Oh, y you wear so many hats and, you know, we call them stakeholders. Who's in our community? Who's in our community and how do we need to service them? How do we need to steward them? You know, I, uh, part of the pressure for me comes from coming from a corporation where customer service was absolutely, uh, you know, it was the culture. And so sometimes, I, I think you asked me on that ledger, you know, what are the things where, you know, you need to... 
I don't know whether it was improve or where you would say you, you fall down. And, you know, it's trying to do it all and, and provide excellent service, stewarding the people we need to steward, communication with the people we need to communicate, and just juggling all of all of those stakeholders is an incredibly tough task. And, you know, you don't want things to fall through the cracks. And, uh, you know, we want to keep re- building those relationships. Building the relationships and maintaining them is the, the biggest part of my role I would suggest yeah and then on that flip side of it you're also especially with an organization the size of ours you're also involved in the operations day to day across all the departments because you know we don't have big departments of people we're very mindful of how we use donor money so it's definitely a juggling act and when you've grown up in a corporate culture where service is everything it weighs heavily on you. What have I missed? You know, what, so back to your point about what do you have to be, you have to be organized, you have to be, you know, you have to have systems in place. And again, you have to be creative about what are those systems? And how do you use them to uh, keep you on track? And also, how do you use them to give yourself personal space and time that you need to kind of regenerate and be creative? I mean, I think we all hit that wall some days, and you just the sum of everything you've got to do is overwhelming what I've always done in my life is just go okay I gotta back up here and deal with it one thing at a time rather than looking at it's like the world you look at the overall problems in the world and you can very quickly become defeated but if you just break it down and I'll (laughs) I'll go with the boss's you know overriding thing is if you just break it down and do what you can to make a difference and move forward that's the way I have to chunk it out to just kind of balance it all you're making this pretty easy for me. That was my <laughs> next question about self-preservation and, and taking care of yourself yeah. in order to be able to give most appropriately of yourself in, in those demanding situations. Would you call this, I guess my question really is, where to from here? Can you see this being the last job you ever have? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I was asked that when I was interviewed for this job, you know, wh- what is this on your career path? And I, I, I didn't know whether to be really honest and say my career path is a deck in Seashelt, BC. <laughs> <laughs> I think they know that now. But, you know, what's uh, back to something you just said, what makes it easy to stick with a job like this is that ultimately you're doing work that hopefully changes things in the world for the better. I will tell you that when I left corporate world, and again, nothing wrong with that. I, I, I have a lot of admiration for a lot of people I know that are, are doing great jobs in corporate worlds. But there's something about making a balanced budget and making profit and comparing that to saving forest in the Congo Basin and saving species and working with people and inspiring them to take action. There's something that keeps you driving. It's not an everyday job or business goal. And so, again, there are so many wins in this kind of work. Is it can it be grinding? I would say yes. But for me, it's been one of the most challenging roles to balance everything and my personal life, for sure. But re- more rewarding than anything I've done before. So JGI, Jane Goodall Institute of Canada, works not just in Canada for animals and the environment, but in, in other countries. So our biggest projects are in Africa. The biggest, uh, JGI Canada is supported by donors across the country. And it's interesting because some of them are focused on animals. Some of them want to give to our youth programs in Canada. Some of them are about, you know, conserving the forest. So there's 
we have a real mix of why they come to some of them come because they love Jane. So, you know, it's also balancing the the needs and the wishes of the donors and and meeting those needs. Definitely in Africa, that's what our primary work is, uh, saving forests, saving species, obviously primarily chimpanzees. In Canada, it's broader because it's young people, and I know that Jen Duffy would have told you this, but it's young people choosing projects that relate at least to animals, people, or the environment. We're not prescriptive. We just want them to notice what problems are in their communities and address them and so the 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 species for us is chimpanzees that's our work in Africa and you were referring when you talked about youth uh, to the roots and shoots program yes in its 25th year I will be talking to Jen Duffy to get all the details on that program again it's global it is global and again I would say it's done differently in different countries I was at a global conference for JGI in um, May in Barcelona and people were there from all around the world and some roots and shoots programs are are very different than the one we're running in Canada we work with educators here through classrooms we aren't doing things like they may be doing in Africa where some of them are you know running programs to help elephants or rhinoceros so you know that's a very cultural difference in in Asia they're doing things that are related to things going on there so yes it's 25 years old growing always but very different depending on where you are we're very aligned I would say uh, that program is very aligned with the same model as the U.S. so North American Roots and Shoots done through educators primarily but yes, inspiring the, the next leaders and, and hopefully having, you know, this cohort of young people who are concerned about the future and want to figure out how they can uh, address these issues and challenges and, and working with them to help them do that and become those people and to make choices about what they want to do in school and ultimately their careers. Well, I've heard Jane speak uh, a number of times. And in fact, that seems to be her message of hope in the face of the overwhelming self-destructive activities that we see on the planet. The future is in empowered, educated, dedicated youth. And the Roots and Shoots program, to my knowledge, certainly gives uh, young people an opportunity to start small but join a much larger movement. Yeah, you know, so I was explaining to somebody recently when they were asking what is Roots and Shoots about. To me, it's about creating the people. It's not about cleaning rivers. It's not about air pollution. It's not as prescriptive as as that. It's about changing attitudes and behaviors of the next generation so that they will think about the choices they make, either their careers, what they purchase, how they behave to make a better world. I think the other thing that's really important to us is it's a compassionate person. That's who Jane is. That's who I work with. Compassion is a big piece of what we're talking about here. It's not as simple as saying, yes, we've got, you know, 25 groups out there cleaning up river streams. We just believe that if they are these people inside, that it it shows and it it takes effect outside that body and mind. And, and, uh, you know, I can envision an army of little Janes with ponytails (laughs) taking it all on, (laughs) male or female. So I know what Marvin would say if he was here, and he really did want to join us today, uh, turning eco-warriors 
into eco-warriors. Yeah, you know, warriors to me is a connotation of, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to fight for this world, for sure. I'm a big believer. I think we philosophically believe that if you've got the right mind and heart, it'll happen, whatever you decide to do or try to change. And, uh, you know, some of the skills we've talked about in relation to my job or the people that work with me, when you have that skill set where you understand your compassionate, you reach out to people and you support them. Those are the people worst. I hope that we're churning out through roots and shoots churning out. That sounds like a factory, but you know what I mean? We are trying to support them. You know, a really good example is uh, a recent conference we had in October, and we introduced them to some incredible community leaders, Premier of Ontario, music producers, television people, really to sort of say, this is how important you are. These people are here to support you. So I'm a big believer in when you support people in growth, whether that's your employees or whether it's young people, comes around sooner or later. Well, we're uh, going global in our own small way. We uh, have listeners now in 250 cities in 60 different countries. And I hope that uh, if there are representatives from those countries listening to this, you'll look to your local or regional areas to get involved in either existing Roots and Shoots program or certainly go to the Jane Goodall Institute of Canada website. Find out how you could start your own Roots and Shoots program in your school or your neighborhood or your community. This is Fred Keating saying thank you so much to uh, Andrea Tether for being with us and uh, sending out a shout to my uh, co-host Marvin Polis, wherever he happens to be today uh, with his special guest. We want to encourage you to keep listening to Monetizing Your Creativity. You can, in fact, make a pretty decent living if you do what you love. All the best. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.